I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. I am a man. I am a nation. Lock into my frequency, tune into my station. Sit up in your chair, grab a drink from the fridge. We need to have a conversation. Come meet me on the bridge. So here I am on stage at UCLA in front of a room full of strangers, so what do I say? (laughs) Glennon's talking about hot yoga. (laughs) Gary's talking about the seat of the soul, but if your heart is broken, how can you ever be made whole? And so here we are, and you're trying to figure out, is that Suge Knight? What's this all about? (laughs) So they put me up behind a Rhodes Scholar named Wes. I got a double high school diploma, but it don't mean I'm not blessed. (laughs) You're wondering, am I going to rhyme for the entire session? Don't worry, relax, it's just a part of my expression. (laughs) So what is the bridge? A bridge is an exchange of ideas. It's a place of interconnected humanity where we come and have dialogue without the fear of being judged or maligned for our personal ideology. A bridge itself is a span that allows two fixed points that would never connect to have an ability to meet over objects and impediments that would normally keep these two fixed objects from meeting. We are in a very difficult time in our nation. It's bad. (laughs) It's bad, man. It's a lot going on. And, and, And everybody comes from a different place. Everybody has their own lens, their own perspective. And the moment you invalidate someone else's perspective, you dehumanize them. If we're really going to grow, if we're really going to change, then we need to set our minds to be rearranged. And so, once again, just sit up in the chair, grab a drink from the fridge, and let's have a conversation. Just meet me on the bridge. This place, this moment, is historic. Because you came here because you were seeking something. You were hungry for something. You are hungry for truth. Not truth in its ethereal form, but truth in a substantive form. And, but all of us come from a different place. You know, now we're real locked into our ideologies. Maybe you're far right. Or maybe you're far left. And it's hard to meet in the middle because me, I'm trying to figure out where do I fit in? Because at the intersection of faith, politics, and social justice, I'm just a little preacher from a small town Cincinnati church. And now I'm sitting at the church with the nicest man in the world. Joel Osteen is literally the nicest dude in the world. He smiles at everything. No, for real, if you put him in a horror movie, he would still smile. You put him in Friday the 13th, you hear the music. Pastor Joel will walk up, well, Jason, what are you doing? You're not supposed to stab people. You're supposed to love people. Oh, Jason, don't you know you could live your best life now? All you got to do is buy my book, Your Best Life Now. 
I feel like joy does good like medicine, and we need to laugh a little bit because it's been a whole lot of tears shed over the last year and a half in this nation. We got a lot of healing to do. And people were shocked. Shocked! <laughs> Woo! What's happening to our nation? Have you been around for the last 200 years? <laughs> We've never been together. <laughs> Far left. All lives matter, black lives matter, everybody's lives matter. But if you far right, I'm gonna tell you right now, you better shut your mouth up. You better make America great again. You better shut your mouth up. You better hush up, boy. You don't know what you're talking about. Say something else, say something else. Don't make me, ooh, ooh, say something else. Come, I will come across this bridge. I will bust you in your eye. I wish you would, because I'm Second Amendment all day. Come on around there. Come on around here. Right back, right there. Come on, I got my concealed carry. Come on, boy. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. The bridge. That's where we need to meet. Cause when you're thinking about my family, it don't matter if you're black or white. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> we don't get a chance to invalidate somebody because we don't understand how they got to a certain conclusion. We've got to learn how to heal. We've got to learn how to deal. And so I can't stay in these polaric places, whether I'm far left or far right, somehow I got to get us to the middle. Somebody say, meet me in the middle. Yeah. See, this is the key. We're already moving closer to the middle. It's feeling good in here. Anytime I come to the middle, I'm going to probably start rhyming, so just prepare yourself. When I come to this place, I'm going to start rhyming. I'm feeling kind of good, man. What do I say? You got white women playing African drums. We are well on our way. <laughs> Y'all better go ahead. <laughs> Y'all like, this is wonderful. I've never done this. This is amazing. Is this what they do and they back it up? I want to back it up. I want to back it up. I believe in the idea of America. I believe in the ideal of America. Come on, America, I know we can do better. I know that you're able. I'm not Solange or Beyonce, but I deserve a seat at the table. <laughs> this is a moment that we can change things, but we gotta come down from our high place. We gotta come down from that place that makes us think that we're right and the other person is wrong, as opposed to saying they got to that place because of the life that they've lived and the people that raised them and the situations that framed them. It's real quiet and I know this is more like a lecture series, but I'm a black preacher, so please allow your inner Negro to come out for the next 10 to 12 minutes and you can shout me down like, I know that's right, you better say that. He's talking good, girl. <laughs> that's good. So what does America look like? How do we heal? We've got a lot of healing. 
I know that we're broken. And how can you not be hurt when you're in the age of alternative facts? That's like saying, I got fat by eating alternative snacks. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. You know that it's true and don't judge me because you got stuff too. But I think about the far right and the far left, and I'm trying to figure out how do we meet in the middle? How do we build bridges of understanding and connectivity beyond race, beyond gender, beyond sexual orientation, beyond religious preference and ideology? How do we get to this place? All of us came from somewhere. And so I'm trying to figure out what is my role to play because I grew up in a little church and at seven years old, I connected to the divine presence of the Most High God through this man named Jesus. That's how I connected. And, and my mother, she didn't just preach it, she lived it. And I was like, this is something that connects to me because she actually lived it out. And it was a, a weird thing because my mother was always the one chocolate spot in a sea of vanilla. She fought to build bridges and she always fought to give every human being equal value. And in Cincinnati in the 70s and 80s, in a very conservative and non-post-racial society, she stood out like a beautiful sore thumb saying that I'm not going to allow what happened in the past to dictate my future. And she created in me a hunger to build bridges with people that didn't look like me, didn't come from where I came from, and didn't believe what I believe. And every single individual that you will ever see has the same equal value. Doesn't mean we agree, but we're all family. Somebody make some noise. All right. I'm in here sweating, I done lost six pounds under these hot prison lights. Take it off. Don't do it, because I... <laughs> I think about my upbringing, and I think about what it means to be where I'm at right now, standing in front of you, and I'm, I'm really kind of blown away because I shouldn't be here. My mom and dad divorced when I was very young. He walked out the door for the last time when I was four and a half. I saw him four times in my life. But it didn't stop my mother from doing what she needed to do, working full time during the day and going to college at night, ending up graduating with honors with her degree in social work and becoming one of the most accomplished African-American women in the history of the state of Ohio social work system. I came from a woman that would not give up. I'm sure there were times when she wanted to, but there was something on the inside. And every morning and every night, I would see her praying and reading in this word. And then, of course, I had to do that, too. There was no, there was no option for me. My mother made sure that I was going to be different from the legacy that I came from. Because growing up, people are saying, be a man of God, be a man of God. But how can you be what you've never seen? She goes to a black church. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> But I found myself enthralled by this life that my mother chose to live. And when I was growing up, the idea of morality and relationship and spirituality were all interwoven. When I was 13, my mother was like, you're going to be a virgin when you get married. <laughs> Somebody laughed, and I'm like, listen, first of all, mom, I've got buck teeth from sucking my thumb all of my childhood, and I've got bald spots from alopecia. I don't think you need to worry. 
It's one thing to live holy. It's another when you don't have options. <laughs> See somebody talking about, I'm waiting on the Lord. I bet you are. When I think about the bridge, I think about what it is I must do to connect and engage people that didn't come from where I come from so that we can have a place of commonality and understanding. I'm not talking about conversion because for too long in certain areas of Christian thought, we have tried to shame people into changing. What's funny is it's not just religious thought because even in political ideology, this is the first political cycle where our election was a result of shame. Where people who were shamed for having a particular idea about what mattered to them and the only recourse they had was to go into an anonymous booth and pick something that was most not like what most of us thought would come out. And how did that happen? Because shame has permeated the culture. And if you don't believe what I believe, then shame on you. And if you don't like what I like, then shame on you. And shame has permeated the culture. And the bridge says, I don't understand you. I don't agree with you. And we may never see eye to eye. But if we're all in the same space, at least we can begin the dialogue and conversation that may lead to healing. For me, I, there's this story in the Bible that I love because, you know, a lot of times people, when I tell them I'm a preacher, like, oh, here you go, he about to judge me. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not that kind of guy. Just let me talk. But I know because some of you have seen bad TV, bad church TV late at night, and you see the guy in there talking about, I'm going to tell you right now, you better call that number on the screen right now, because if you don't, you're going to burn in a hot lake of fire. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> Sir, you're frightening the children. <laughs> but every time I see Jesus in the New Testament, I see him encountering the most broken of society, and they were attracted to him. How is it that the lepers and the lame and, and the broken and the drunks and, and the prostitutes thought he was amazing? How is it that he connected to broken people, but the prideful, the spiritual, the religious elite didn't want to have anything to do with them? I said, that's the kind of person I want to be, that I connect to people no matter where they are, no matter what they're dealing with, no matter what they look like, and that's not religious. That's seeing the beauty and the divine nature of every human being that you encounter. There's nothing more amazing to me than this story in John chapter 4. Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman, and Jews and Samaritans did not hang out. They were not bedfellows. Jews kind of thought they were better than the Samaritans. Samaritans was kind of slightly hood. They was like, whatever, whatever, whoop-de-woo. And the Jews like, uh, uh, uh. That was kind of the vibe. And Jews and Samaritans didn't really talk you know, to one another. And so this Samaritan woman is walking up and, and Jesus is at the well and they're not even supposed to be having conversation. And Jesus just chilling by the well. And you know, in all of the movies, Jesus has a British accent, even though he lived in, in you know, in Israel 2,000 years ago, but whatever. And so he's always like, 
He always has his Jesus beard with his premium brown sandals, and he's sitting by the well, and he's like, give me a drink of water. And so I need you to understand the cultural context of building bridges because Jesus built a bridge with this lady that didn't come from where he come from and didn't believe what he believed. And he said, hey, can you give me a drink of water? And she was from Samaria, so she was a little bit hood. She was like, first of all, you don't even know me, so why are you even talking to me, okay? Because I'm a Samaritan. Samaritans represent... You need to back up, okay? Because you don't know. You don't know me. Jesus was like, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was standing here, you would give him a drink of water and you'd never thirst again. She was like, oh my goodness. Tell me about this water. Where is this water? I've been thirsty for a long time, okay? For real, for real. You got to read it. Some of y'all are like, I didn't read that. It's in the NIV, the Negro International Version. You can purchase it in the lobby after the session is over. <laughs> Jesus said, I'll continue this conversation with you, but why don't you go get your husband first? She was like, mm, well, just so you know, I'm single, okay? And ready to mingle. He was like, slow down, boo, I'm the savior. I don't even get down like that, all right? Just relax. So then Jesus takes this real regular conversation and then puts super on the natural. He says, you know what? You're right, you're not married. You've been married five times, and the guy you're with now, you're just kind of living with. She was like, first of all, hold on, who told you my business? <laughs> Shaniqua, Shaniqua, did you tell this man my business? I told you to be quiet. <laughs> I didn't know Shaniqua was in the Bible till you met me, see? <laughs> Super Soul Sessions. <laughs> it's in the session. What Jesus did is he validated her humanity without highlighting her brokenness. And no matter your political, spiritual, or relational ideology, we must validate the humanity without highlighting brokenness. He treated her as a valuable individual, and he treated her with love. He didn't judge her. And I'm not talking about regular love. I'm talking about real love. I'm talking about an unending love. I'm talking about, I just met you, but I love you, and I would fight for you even though I don't know you because your humanity is as valuable as my own. I'm talking about a love that'll make you sing to strangers. I'm talking about a love that doesn't go away because we don't agree. I'm talking about a love that makes me fight for you even though I don't see what you see. I'm talking about a love that makes me cross the bridge of understanding away from my fearful place. I'm talking about a bridge that makes me see you face to face. I'm trying, girl. See, because it is the super soul session. And so when something touches your soul, you can't help but get excited about it. This is not something that you can be cerebral about and ponder and process. This is something that you feel in your soul and your toes start moving like, I don't know this dude, and he is a little big. He can work out a little bit, but I like what he is saying. And it's agreeing and connecting with the inner part and core of my being. That's what we need, something that makes us come from the far right 
and the far left and we meet in the middle. We come to places like Super Soul Session and we are not intimidated by people that have different thoughts than us. In fact, we don't judge them, we embrace them. And what we can do, we do process. We chew the meat and spit out the bones. We don't beat people up. What Jesus showed me is the way I need to live my life is he was relational, relatable, and relevant. And if you want people to see life from your lens, then you need to maybe become relational, relatable, and relevant. And then you're going to have to do two other things and become intentional and uncomfortable. Because if you're going to build bridges, you're going to connect with people and have to connect with people that don't look like you, don't live where you live. Now, I'm not telling y'all right now to leave. You're like, come on, Sarah, we're going down to Crenshaw. We're going to just shake hands. Don't do that. They're going to rob you. Don't be, stay here. <laughs> stay here. <laughs> but what I realize is with the life we've been given, the choices we have, we can do something with it. So do me a favor, sit up in your seat. Grab a drink from the fridge. And <laughs> Whether it's communion or a beer, come meet me on the bridge. Because I don't care where you're from, we all got a story. But if we all stick together, it's going to produce. I love y'all. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>